You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Let's bring in Albert Breer, the senior NFL reporter and uh, lead content strategist for the Monday morning quarterback. Without Derrick Henry, what kind of team are the uh, Tennessee Titans? You know, like the last two weeks, like you said, Dan, his production hasn't been what we've gotten used to it being. Um, and they found different ways to win. But I think you know as well as I do, like, Part of the fact that they're able to produce in other areas of the game is the fact that the defense is game planning for Derrick Henry and he changes everything for you. So, you know, I, he's one of the most important non-quarterbacks, maybe the most important non-quarterback to his team in the NFL. And the drop-off from him to Jeremy McNichols is going to be pretty big. So, I mean, you know, you, you take them out of the equation. You know, I think now that three-game lead that they took on the Colts um, yesterday with that win looks less insurmountable. And now now it's Ryan Tannehill's got to go earn his paycheck, right? And now this is, you know, what it, where A.J. Brown's got to make his money and where the whole Julio Jones trade has to come in. I, like, it's just... You know, so many things there were built around Derrick Henry and have been built around Derrick Henry the last two plus years, um, you know, and, and now you sort of have to reconfigure who you are because, I mean, like Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols is a nice player, but the drop off from Henry to McNichols when you're talking about a guy you can build your offense around is massive. The Saints quarterbacking situation is interesting. Taysom Hill was in concussion protocol. Trevor Simeon comes to the rescue. Jameis Winston, I don't know the severity of that, but uh, I know he was dance, dancing on crutches after the win, but I don't know if that's just, hey, I'm going to have to have surgery here. Do you know anything about Jameis Winston this morning yet, Albert? Yeah, I mean, I know that they're bracing for the news that, you know, that, that confirms the ACL tear and that this is going to be it for the season for him. And, you know, it's going to be interesting seeing what they do going forward. I like I was just somebody there told me last night, just don't assume that it's automatically going to be Taysom Hill or that we're just going to go straight with Taysom Hill as a quarterback when he's back off the concussion. Um, and it would, the point was raised to me because, you know, this guy who I was talking to said, we don't really have like a massive amount of playmakers versus where they had been in the past when they had, you know, I mean, Brandon cooks and um, you know, Mark, Marcus Colston and, and Jimmy Graham, all those guys over the years, they're not in that spot right now, especially with Michael Thomas still not playing. And so, you know, I know that there was at least a thought would we'd be better off with Trevor Simeon as the quarterback and then Taysom Hill in sort of a slash type of role yeah. or a platoon. And normally you'd say like, well, you know, you don't want to be, you know, having a quarter, a quarterback shuffle shuttle will never work in the NFL. And you don't want to be messing with that because it'll screw with the continuity of your offense. But I mean, if there's one coach who'd be willing to, tr- to try it and who'd be comfortable trying it, I mean, it's the one down in New Orleans, right? I think it makes the most sense that, just like you said, they don't have weapons. They have Alvin Kamara. And yeah. if I can have Simeon as the quarterback and, and probably fits a little bit more of what they're used to with Drew Brees, and then I can have Taysom Hill, and at, at least I can interject him into the offense as well. I, I And I think with that defense, you know, just keep us – Keep us in the game, you know, that's all. Yeah. And uh, keep it close and, uh, you know, we can help you win. But uh, to me, that probably makes the most sense. What's the game that you came away from going, what just happened? Um, I would say, I mean, the Saints game, I think, is it, it was interesting, but they swept them last year in the yeah. regular season. And I think people underrate the talent on the Saints. We get so fixated on the quarterback, you know, 
Um, I, I don't think people like fully grasped how good the team around Drew Brees was at the end of his career and how they were sort of carrying him more than the other way around at the end, you know? Um, so now you can't see Drew Brees coming back, right? I don't think so. Okay. Philip Rivers, maybe, but like, I, like, I don't think, I, I think you make your calls. If you're Sean Payton, now you call Brees, you call Rivers, you see what shape those guys are in. Because you still feel like you've got a team capable of winning a championship. I mean, this team's been knocking on the door for five years now. You know, Breeze or no Breeze, that's still a roster full of guys who are in the prime of their career. So I think, you know, if you're Sean Payton, you don't just stand pat. You turn over every rock and see what you might be able to find out there. Um, Philip Rivers. I mean, shoot, do you take a swing at Deshaun Watson now? Well, you you will get him and because he, your cap situation sucks, but they've always been able to solve that. You know what I mean? Like they've always been able to find a way. Do you take a while? Because that's the other thing that that franchise has been willing to move draft picks in the past for veteran players. They have not been shy about doing that because they're so confident in their ability to draft and develop. They don't. They feel like they don't need the surplus of picks that other teams do. So they've been willing to give up picks in the past. Um, you know, sort of like the Rams are. So, I mean, if wow. you're them, do you take a wild swing at Deshaun Watson now? I, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting it's going to happen, but I, I think, I think Sean will turn over every rock, you know? And so whether it's making a phone call on Watson or, um, you know, or calling rivers and seeing, Hey, when your high school season's <laughs> over, would you want to come out? I, I like, I, I just think you have to though, Dan, that's the thing is because it's, to me, it's, like just rattle off the names on that roster and how many guys are right in the heart of the prime of their careers. And, you know, your Camaras, your Ryan Ramchicks, your, um, your, your Cam Jordans is on the back end, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, um, Demario Davis, like so many guys that are right either in the heart of the prime of their careers or on the back nine. And, you know, I, I just feel like they've still got an opportunity to compete at a really high level and maybe this opens the door for them to do something creative that they wouldn't have thought of had Jameis not go, gone down. We're talking to Albert Breer, the uh, senior NFL reporter, lead strategist for the Monday Morning Quarterback. You can read his column this morning. Cooper Cup is having one of the greatest seasons, the greatest start to a season for a wide receiver in over 50 years. Mm -hmm. Why is he not getting any credit? Because I think most of the people who go through that offense don't get credit. It goes to McVay and whether or not that's fair or not, I'm not, you know, I don't know, but you know, like I, you know, you look at the, the skill position players who've gone through there with the exception of Gurley. I think most of those guys have been seen as sort of a creation of McVay. Um, you know, Robert Woods, I think the same way. Yeah. And they clearly value both those guys. Both those guys are making 16, $17 million a year. So it's not like they don't value them. But I do think that there's maybe a little bit of a perception out there that skill position players who go through there are to some degree uh, a production, a, a product of, of, of the system. And that's why I think people are so like excited to see what Matthew Stafford looks like in it, you know, because you had Jared Goff, who was another guy who was seen as the product of the system in the last few years. So what happens when you put like a true like franchise type talent in there, you know, and we've seen the results. So I think that's really it is that, you know, Cooper cups never played anywhere else. Got drafted was, wasn't a first round pick, um, you know, and, and I think part of, you know, playing there 
because so many people have had success. So many skill position players have had success coming through that system that now every guy who does have that sort of success, no matter how much they reward him or tell you with the money, how much that he means to them and everything else, like everybody's sort of seen as a cog in the machine. Cooper Cup is the first player in the Super Bowl era with at least Bananas. 900 <laughs> receiving yards, 10 touchdowns through his team's first eight games of a season. Pretty pretty good stuff. Pretty good. Pretty uh, did, good. did the Jets find their quarterback yesterday? It's weird, isn't it, how like they put him in and Josh Johnson went in in the middle of that game and he looked okay too. Like so... I don't know if it like makes you raise some questions about Zach Wilson and how ready he was to play in the NFL, you know, um, because I think there were some people that looked at that across the NFL and said, um, is there like, like has the staff done enough with Zach Wilson, you know, and you have a first time coordinator there and they went through a tragedy on their offensive staff over the summer, but they lost the guy who was going to be like the most experienced guy, you know, on that, on that staff left on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and so I think there were a lot of people, you know, inside the league that were thinking like, are they doing enough to help Zach Wilson? And then you throw Mike white in there and my God, he looks competent, you know, and this isn't just this week. He looked competent when they throw him in against the Patriots last week too. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to ask some of those questions and I've heard some of those questions that like Zach has a ways to go as far as learning just how to run an NFL offense and how to take house money. You know what I mean? Like not try to turn every play into a 70 yard touchdown. And I think you're sort of seeing it now and maybe it's good for Zach Wilson to get to see someone else running the offense. But yeah, I mean, Mike, Mike white makes, I mean, you watch Mike white. It's like, why did they trade for Joe Flacco? I was sort of thinking that last week too. Like, like even after the way he came in and like stabilized things against the Patriots when they were getting blown out, like you could see a little something there. And I think it definitely carried over to this week where it's like, maybe they shouldn't have thrown the draft pick away for Joe Flacco. Uh, the Cowboys, I thought, made the right decision, even if they had lost to the Vikings, that you don't have, you know, Dak Prescott, I got to look for the bigger picture here. What happened yeah. last year? And, you know, you got a team that can compete in the NFC. And, you know, Cooper Rush comes in and, They didn't miss him. But, you know, I think the bigger question I have is still about the Minnesota Vikings, Albert, because if you have a good quarterback, you're in no man's land. You need to have a great quarterback or it feels like you start over. You got Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. He's not great, not elite, Mm -hmm. um, but it feels like they're just that's a team stuck in neutral. Yeah, and if I'm the, I mean, I guess the analogy would be if you're the Wilfs right now, do you ask are we the 45-1 NBA team, right? Like the team that's like, just good enough to never get the franchise player, yeah. you know, that is just sort of stuck there and you're going out in the first or second round every year and you're spinning your wheels uh, and they have like talent in the roster. I actually think like the front office has done a good job of kind of replenishing the talent there and bringing in younger guys. You look at the way they've like kind of swapped out guys like Stefan Diggs is out. Then, you know, Justin Jefferson comes in in the backfield. They lose Adrian Peterson. He gets older. Dalvin cook comes in. Um, the way they've replaced some guys on the offensive line, Darisaw has played pretty well for them. Um, you know, they've just sort of constantly been able to, I guess, like replenish certain positions. And you wonder, is that what's holding them back? Is the coaching what's holding them back? Because, um, you know, I love Mike Zimmer as a coach, but they've sort of been in this spot. Like they've sort of been the same team since he got there, right? Like up one year, down the next, um, that they, they sort of peaked out in 2017 with Case Keenum as their quarterback and going to the NFC title game. So, yeah, I mean, I think if they continue on this path, 
and you were sitting there at the end of the season and they're like 10 and seven or nine and eight and they either just made the playoffs or they're just out. Like, I think it's fair to ask those questions and look like, I think internally they've asked those questions too, because you know, like Zimmer was sort of a sleeper name a couple of years ago as a guy who could wind up out and he survived and got an extension. And then they kicked the tires really hard on Justin Fields in the spring to the point where if, I mean, that was who the Bears were trying to get in front of to get Fields. And so maybe they don't trade down and maybe they wind up with Justin Fields if he slips a couple more spots. Um, I think those questions have been asked internally. And yeah, you wonder if like that doesn't lead to some change after this year. If things don't change, if they don't wind up like 13 and four, 12 and five or whatever, like, are you, are they just sitting there spinning their wheels? I'm, I, I was really surprised at this. You know, the Browns should have won that game against the Steelers. I mean, you're hosting yeah. the Steelers. I, you know, you, you should still win those games. But Baker Mayfield had this to say after the game about the media. Within sports media world, it's going to be the world's falling down. We're going to handle it within the building and make the corrections we need to to execute. We have a good enough team. It's just that we're kicking ourselves in the foot right now, stubbing our toes, and just build one week at a time. That's why I said we're going to chip away. There's no big-picture mindset. we got to chip away one week at a time, and uh, we'll, we'll do just that. Okay. First How do you of all, kick yourself in the foot? I don't know, unless it's <laughs> one foot kicks the other foot. Yeah. But I think you shoot yourself in the foot. But, hey, yeah. uh, why, why does he care about the media? Like. Because he always has. That's part I, of the he's problem. Had I, I mean, it's part of it's part of what it's part of what like drives him, right? Wasn't this the guy he was at Oklahoma too? Like he had rabbit ears. Like, I mean, like I don't care they needed my own water, but he like that's what the flag was, right? That's what the flag planning was was having rabbit ears, right? Yeah, yeah, but you, I mean, it, the, the media it's part loves of who he the is, Browns. Though. The media covers the Browns far more than the Browns deserve. I, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but like I don't like. Yes, you're right because I think there's like that there's burn there's been that circus element to it. Now it's like are they no longer the circus because I think you know, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry and those guys did an effective job of of kind of calming it down. I think it I think there is a fair question to ask as he's starting to feel it though. Like I am now playing for my job, you know, because he doesn't have a contract and generally quarterbacks who the first round quarterbacks historically if you look at it, the first round quarterbacks who go through three years and then don't get a big extension, like after that third year, just usually don't get that extension period. There, I don't know if there's one case where the team waited and then after year four, Andrew Luck is the one case, which is where it was like, that was just like, wait a year and we'll, we'll do it, right? But it's very rare that a team doesn't make, that doesn't just give the guy the extension after the third year. So I'm sure he's feeling it a little bit too, and that now like a three and one start has become four and four. And if they don't win the playoffs, I mean, that's a pretty complete roster, right? So where are they going to look to upgrade? And I think the obvious thing would be, can we afford to have this guy on our roster at 40 to $45 million a year? That's a very real question, you know? And so like, I think Baker probably feels it a little bit, feels that pressure a little bit. And he knows that everybody's looking at him and pointing at him and saying, is he good enough? And um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair question to ask. And I, and I think, you know, if you gave Andrew Barry truth serum, he would tell you like right now, like for the rest of this year, it's Baker Mayfield versus Deshaun Watson. It's Baker Mayfield versus Aaron Rodgers. It's Baker Mayfield versus Russell Wilson. It's Baker Mayfield versus 
whoever might be out there available for us in, in February and March when we have to make a decision on what we want to do at the position going forward. I'll leave you with this. The standalone games, everybody has an opinion the day after. Kansas City tonight, how important is to win this yeah. game and win with style points? I, I don't think it's – you know what's funny is like people have said that style points. Like why doesn't it look the way it used to? I think like if you talk to enough people in the league, you even talk to people in that building, what they'll tell you is they don't need the style points. They need to do the routine stuff better, right? Like, so they've got this completely reworked offensive line and that's been a problem. No question. Orlando Brown going right to left hasn't worked out quite the way that they hoped it would. And when your left tackle isn't right, that can create problems elsewhere. Uh, You know, but really like, how do you manage that? Okay. Well, you can manage that by running the ball effectively they're not calling enough run plays like Clyde Edwards Hilaire is hurt. I understand that, but like, that's one way to calm down the offensive line problem. What's another way to calm down the offensive line problem for Mahomes to take the easy money to, 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 to check the ball down, to throw the ball short. So he's not holding it as long. So it doesn't expose the issue. He's not doing that. You know, is Mahomes playing too much like he did at Texas tech? Like, are we seeing that guy who felt like he had to take the team on his shoulders too much and he's not doing the, he's not doing the routine thing. And then on defense, it's the two guys that you paid. It's Frank Clark and it's, and it's, and it's Chris Jones. Like, are those guys coming anywhere close to what they're getting paid? They've been banged up. They've been average when they've been out there and not having those guys play at the level that they've played at the last couple of years has exposed an ordinary back seven. So I think a lot of this stuff is pretty simple. It's on offense. Can they make the routine play, right? Like, can they make the routine play? Can they go to people other than Travis Kelsey or Tyree kill? And can Mahomes play like a more conservative game? And then defensively, I mean, the offense playing more conservatively would help the defense, right? Like, because now you're maybe shortening the game a little bit, which isn't their comfort zone, but maybe what you have to do here can you get your best players on defense playing better? To me, it's like, it's, it's like two, three, four. If you talk to people in that building, it's like two, three, four, very simple things, but you can't say with any certainty that it's just going to click and happen. Great to talk to you as always. Thank you, bud. All right. Thanks for having me, Dan. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox sports radio and the iHeartRadio radio app. Rick Stroud joining us on loan from the uh, Tampa Bay times. And, uh, I think still in New Orleans, getting ready to fly back to uh, Tampa. Uh, Rick, thanks for joining us. What is it about the Saints that gives the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trouble? You know, Dan, I I just think that Sean Payton does such a terrific job. I mean, you look at the record that he has without a quarterback named Drew Brees. I think it's like 13-3. and And, you know, they're so well prepared. Um, That's a physical, physical defense that puts a lot of pressure on Tom Brady. Everybody tries to, right? They're successful in doing it. And, you know, seven of Brady's 17 interceptions since he's been a Tampa Bay Buccaneer have come against the Saints. He hasn't beaten them in the regular season. So, clearly you credit the coaching and um, and their players. I also thought about that quote where he was sort of off the cuff having fun with the Manning brothers where he's talking about defenses. It's like cars or uh, dogs chasing cars. And I thought, golly, that's the kind of thing that comes back to haunt you. <laughs> Do you think the same yeah. thing? I did. I thought this is not the week to be talking about dogs chasing cars because, you know, you're the car and uh, they caught him. So, uh, you know, it, it just wasn't a good idea. But, you know, Tom, Tom is, is feeling himself in Tampa. As we know, he's found his voice. Um, and in doing that, you know, look, it, it felt like there was a lot of hubris with the Bucks yesterday. You know, I, I just felt that 
Um, they did beat him in the divisional playoff. That was the one that mattered, obviously. Breeze was, you know, a shell of himself and all of that. Um, but but this is the team that's won the NFC South four years in a row and, and now has a, you know, sort of a, a leg up on the head-to-head. So, uh, you know, of all the years in the NFC, if you're going to go to the playoffs, you need to win your division because there's too many good teams, you know, with one, one loss. Uh, and so, you know, they did it last year the hard way, but there were no fans or very few fans on the road. That won't be the case. So it's going to be a battle, I think, all the way to the end with these two teams. How would you assess Tampa's defense? Well, I mean, you know, again, they're playing, you know, with a with a short deck. I mean, they're missing their corners. They hope to get guys like Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy bunting back after the bye. This is a much-needed rest for them. Um, you know, Richard Sherman was active, was there just to finish a game if they needed him. So uh, that certainly helped them, hurt them on the back end yesterday. You saw that. But I think they made mistakes uh, just of emotion. You know, Devin White can't get, you know, a horse collar penalty. Unfortunately, hurt Jameis Winston on that. Then gets another roughing the passer, um, you know, and then ends up with a taunting penalty. You know, this team, this team hurts itself. Um, there was one play, you know, where they have an interception in the end zone uh, with Antoine Winfield Jr. He's eating W's in the end zone while the flag's dropping on Will Golston for roughing the passer. I mean, that's just a bad look for a young team that, that needs to know, uh, you know, sort of how to act. And I, I just felt like they, they didn't handle their emotions very well yesterday. And they got to get better at that because they've talked about penalties all year. They cut them out after the Chicago game a year ago, but they're still happening. So, you know, they, they can't beat themselves. They're, they're a better football team than the Saints. They didn't show it yesterday. Most threatening team in the NFC to Tampa Bay is who? Um, well, if you can't win the division, that's going to be tough. But I, I would say – I would say the best team I've seen, and they got to get healthy, is the Dallas Cowboys. You know, mm-hmm. the Rams certainly have the formula because they have some 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 top flight defensive player with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and that. Um, but I think you can beat them. I I look at the Cowboys if they get their defense together and those guys are healthy offensively with Dak the way he's playing. Um, they're they're a tough out. I mean, the Bucks you know won on opening night by three. Uh, but I like that. I like that football team. There's a lot of good ones in the NFC, and and really, it's, I think it's going to be a premium on who wins the division. If you can win your division and get a home game or two, you'll be okay. But let's be honest. If you look at the records, the schedules. I think everything's going through Green Bay, and that's you know, if the Bucks or anybody else has to go up there, it's likely not going to be a balmy day like it was a year ago, and there'll be more than nine thousand fans with with placards banging on the stands. So. That's, that's always a tough place to play, and there's just not many teams I think the Packers are going to lose to. Safe travels, Rick. Always great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We could go at this time. Carson Palmer joined us, the former NFL quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner at USC. And I ask him the following question. Is James Franklin the front runner, as I've reported? I think there's a lot of front runners right now. And that's why I like where we're sitting. I mean, we, we had the first hot seat open up. You can't have a so lot that, of front runners, Carson. You can have a front I mean, runner. 
You've got Penn State, you've got Iowa State, you've got Cincinnati, you've got a wild card like uh, Mike Tomlin. That, that if Mike Tomlin wants out, and and it, I think you know at the end of the day, there is not a direct. That's the guy everybody's pointing their fingers at. There's a there, there's a lot of great options. Let's bring in Carson Palmer, who uh, joins us weekly appearance here. How did things change after yesterday or last week at this time when you mentioned Mike Tomlin's name? <laughs> yeah, they uh, that got a little bit of attention for me <laughs> throwing a wild card out there. Uh, hey, us Trojan fans can dream. That, that's a dream scenario, picking up a guy like Mike Tomlin uh, going to USC. But it's a wild card, uh, and that got a little bit of attention, obviously. Did you get any phone calls after that? I got some phone calls. I got some phone calls and lots of texts. Um, but again, it's a wild card. It's a, it's a, it's a daydream by me and, and probably all other USC fans across the nation. And, and I wondered about that because you did say it. I even said it after you did and said it the next day. This is a wish list. You're not reporting Mike Tomlin was interested in USC. It's USC. There's probably quite a few names on that list that obviously you don't want to mention as wild cards now, but there are probably some other notable coaches on there that people might be surprised that USC would think, hey, who knows? Let's take a shot. Is that is that a fair assessment of the uh, hiring search here? That's all it is, is an assessment. I'm not sitting in meetings with athletic directors and, and athletic program and boosters. Um, I'm listening to, to news bites here and there from, from all over the country like you are. And uh, th- there's a lot of wild cards. I mean, I, probably the most notable one that everybody ties is, is Luke Fickle because of the relationship that Mike Bone and Luke Fickle had as Mike hired Luke at the University of Cincinnati. But there, there's a lot of interest in this job. And, and the reason is it's USC. It's, it's not your, your usual run-of-the-mill college. We're talking about SC. So um, there's a bunch of names that, that are being thrown out there. And as the season progresses, it's really fun to, to follow along and, and see whose name gets thrown on the hat. What was your reaction to Mike Tomlin's reaction? <laughs> I got a, the first text I got was from my brother saying, Hey, Mike Tomlin's going to be hot in his first press conference next week. <laughs> and he was, yeah, he was. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not fair of me to, to all of a sudden everybody jump on the bandwagon and, and, and throw that out there. I was just daydreaming out loud with you, Dan, you asked me a question directly who, who I'd, I'd be excited about and who I'd like. And I'd love to see Mike Tomlin. Got a lot of love and respect for playing against him for 10 years and then buddies that have played for him. But again, it, it's early. There's a lot of football left to be played. There's going to be another college name, that, uh, another college coach that gets hot here and gets his team into a big bowl game or, or into the playoffs maybe. And, and then that name will be thrown in the ring. So uh, it's just fun to, to talk about and, and digest all these names and all these guys as we get down here. Uh, to the end of this season. And Luke Fickle's name came up a while ago, and then I had a source say, Luke doesn't want to leave the Midwest. Um, do you understand that? That you know, I mean, when you go to, you're uprooting your family, you're going to Southern California. I mean, it's, it's a whole different lifestyle than what he's got in Cincinnati right now. But could you see him wanting to stay in the Midwest or not wanting to go out and kind of trying to immerse himself into Southern California? Uprooting your family is part of the deal. That's part of the job as, as coaches uh, bounce around from team to team. No, nobody just signs a contract with one team and stays there their entire career very, very rarely. So 
women that, that get interested in, in coaches know that before they say yes or I do, uh, they understand that that's the coach's lifestyle. It, it is what it is. It's year after year, a couple years here, a couple years there. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, there's only a handful of elite, you know, creme de la creme programs, the Alabamas, USC's, Texas's, and so on. And so when you have a chance to leave uh, and and be really happy and comfortable in your 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 home state or maybe um, your your kids are happy at school, your wife's happy in the neighborhood, but when you have a chance to leave for one of those premier programs, it's definitely a discussion around the dinner table with, with that family. All right, let's dive into the NFL. Carson Palmer joining us. Worst loss of the weekend turned in by who? I think it's a tie between what happened uh, in, in New Orleans with Tampa. I mean, Tampa really had a chance to separate themselves in that division and, and take a big lead, uh, as well as Cincinnati did. Cincinnati should be sitting here at 6-2. and two. They're 5-3 and three with a big loss in New York to the Jets. They really had a chance to distinguish themselves in the ASC North after that big beating they put down on, on Baltimore a couple weeks ago. That gave them the outright lead in that division had they won. Unfortunately, both those teams lost. Now the NFC South and the AFC South are pretty wide open uh, for a champion because both those teams are tied at the top. And Derrick Henry looks like he might be done for the year. Going to need foot surgery there. Yeah, I was wondering, who's the team to beat in the NFC right now? It's still Tampa. It's still the defending champs. Um, You know, I I think they have uh, probably the best defense in the game right now, coached by Todd Bowles, who's an unbelievable defensive coach. And you got Tom Brady. So they're still the team to knock off in the NFC. Yeah, I was wondering, you know, it feels like it's going through Green Bay because that division is bad and they've had some pretty impressive wins. You know, the Rams are kind of quietly building up the wins. Seattle's not good. Uh, San Francisco hasn't been good. Arizona came back down to earth a little bit. So I, I don't know. I'd probably look at Green Bay right now. Even though if you said both are healthy, I'd say Tampa would probably be the most well-rounded team there. Where do the Rams fit in that uh, equation? The Rams are the sleeper. It's kind of funny being based in Los Angeles. You're not hearing a ton about them for the most part. It seems like the bigger, you know, the major metropolis cities seem to get a lot of attention when they're doing well. For some reason, the Rams are just kind of plugging along and beating everybody they should beat and, and, and winning pretty, pretty easily in most of their games. And nobody's giving them the credit and the love, which doesn't make any sense. I mean, they finally have, you know, a top 10, top five, maybe quarterback in the league. And so they're a team that's kind of sneaking along and nobody's really talking about them. Um, Talent for talent. I mean, you look at, you put LA next to, to green Bay. And I think the better rosters in LA um, but Green Bay's got Aaron Rodgers, so that's always the wild card. But at the end of the day, at this point in the season, I always go with the defending champ if they're still playing well and they're, they're at the top, and that's Tampa. And I, I think they're, uh, they're going to come down to it. I'd love to see in, in the NFC Championship Green Bay, Tampa, and we might end up seeing that. Explain to me Bill Belichick going on the road against a Charger team that everybody has christened as they're one of the elite teams, and Justin Herbert, the quarterback you want to build around, and Bill ends up bringing his team out there and picking up the win. I, that one really surprised me. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know there's a lot of hype. There was a lot of hype three weeks ago in, on the Chargers, and that's died off now. They've lost a couple over the last three weeks, um, and they ran into the buzzsaw that is, that is Bill Belichick. At the end of the day, he always does something to throw you for a loop as a quarterback. 
he always plays he always seems to play really really well and, and have a good defensive game plan against these next hot shot quarterbacks that people are getting excited about um, so he did what Bill Belichick does he slowed him down he created a couple turnovers they had some really interesting plays where they were bringing different fire zones and got some sacks and got some hits and, and got Justin Herbert off of his spot in the pocket and made him move and, and delayed the pass so he, Bill did what he what he he typically does year in year out, which is frustrate a young quarterback that everybody's kind of like you said christened as the next greatest thing, and he slowed him down. And Mac Jones ended up playing better and looking better as that game went on. Carson Wentz had one of those moments where, and I, I'm sure you know the feeling or been in it close to it, but you know he switches hands to throw it, and he's in the end zone and throws that interception. I, is it is it the younger quarterback that's trying to make something always happen because they they're not that far removed from college? I mean, I guess Carson would be considered a veteran now, so that even less of an excuse there. But what what is the feeling like when you're in the moment you're still trying to make something happen, but you shouldn't? He, he's far too veteran to make that mistake. You do see that with a young guy and uh, Mac Jones. It's okay. Um, you know, even even a, a younger quarterback, first couple starts. But Carson's been in the league far too long. And that team is is built uh, uh, to the point where you can't make that kind of play as a quarterback. That team is built to run the ball, and they've done that extremely effectively. And that team is built to play great defense and not turn the ball over. Unfortunately, you can't do that. Uh, when you have a team like that and you don't have a clear-cut number one guy to throw the ball up to, to you know, 50-50 balls and explosive offense. That team is built to play great defense, control the ball with the running game, with the short passing game, and not turn it over. And unfortunately, he's turned it over far too many times. And, you know, he, he's the first to admit it. He said it after the game. He's like, I cannot make those plays. He knows it. And he's just – Carson's always kind of been one of those guys that just can't give up. He just can't say quit. You know, he just is always fighting for an extra yard. He's always thinking he can pull some sort of superhuman – uh, Superman play out of something that it's just, there's just nothing there. Sometimes you just need to eat it and take a safety. Sometimes you just need to take the sack or throw it out of the bounds. And unfortunately, he's too far along in his career to continuously make those mistakes. What's it like in film study when you know you've you've thrown a bad interception or a fumble or whatever it is, and you know it's coming up? Like, what's that feeling you know, like as you're sitting there and just waiting to see if the coach just piles on? That's the worst part of the week. You're, you're surrounded by your teammates and your peers. And you, you, there's no doubt you're playing for the fans and you're playing for, for the fan base and for your family and all of that. But more importantly, Carson's playing for his teammates. And when, when you let your teammates down, it's not, the, it's not the fear of letting a fan down or the fan base down. It's when you let your teammates down. And it's one of those deals you're sitting in that meeting and you know that play is coming up in four plays, in three plays, in two <laughs> plays, and then here it is. And you just slowly start <laughs> sinking in that seat. Your face starts getting really red and hot, almost like you have a temperature. Your temperature is rising because you're surrounded by your, tier, your, your peers. And those are the guys that are putting in their best work all week long, preparing for that game, preparing for that moment, to be in that moment with a chance to have a game-winning drive. And it's not the fans you let down. It's that it hurts. It's it's the guys in the room that are sitting next to you and sitting behind you. Um, those are the ones that hurt the most. Is when you're watching it with your teammates and you know you let all those guys down. But do you, do you have to explain it in the moment during film session? Do you, are you allowed to say anything? 
every player has made it. it. It's not always a quarterback. Sometimes it's an offensive tackle that on a big drive just got his hands too high and, and wrapped his arm around a defender and they throw a flag for 15 yarders. And that's what caused the loss or a missed tackle or a missed dropped interception at, at, at this point in guys' careers. Once they make it to the NFL, as great as all those players are in a locker room, they've all made a, a, a massive mistake that lost a game for a team or, or lost a game and, and know how that feels. So um, nothing needs to be said. You don't need to stand up and go, Hey, my bad. Everybody, everybody knows that you are bad. You threw it to the other team. That's your bad. So there, there's no, there's no uh, explanation needed. Everybody knows what it, you know, what it is. The Chiefs tonight against the Giants and everybody's going to have an opinion tomorrow, one way or another about the Chiefs. Can they play a conservative style of offense? That's not how they're built. That's the, that's especially not how they're built on the back end of their defense. Their, that defense is built to play with the lead. So playing conservative and running it and, um, you know, that, that's just not who they are. But this is a statement game. If there's ever been a statement game, this is a bad New York Giants team. There's a lot going on in, in Kansas City. There's some players going back and forth with the fan base. And um, there's a lot of distractions. And at the end of the day, we've all heard it a million times. A win cures all. And it, it just covers everything up. Just win. And it puts all the back and forth that the Kansas City fan base has had with Tyron Matthew and a couple other players it covers that up until next week and then the week after. But this is a st- – they need to blow this team out by 18 points. I mean, this is a bad team against the team that's been at, been representing the AFC in, in, in uh, the Super Bowl the last couple of years. So this, this is a game that they need to win decisively. They need to put this team away early. They cannot sit out there and run the ball and check it down. Patrick Mahomes needs to be Patrick Mahomes. He needs to throw the ball over the top, be explosive, and win by a couple scores. I don't think you said anything inflammatory today. Congratulations. Hopefully you have a, a, a nice week here and no text messages from your brother or phone calls or anything like that, Carson. Yeah, you didn't set me up today with any, oh, with I didn't any set softball you questions. Up. I didn't set you up. I, you know, it was one of those where I threw up a, a 50-50 ball and you came down with it. I mean, you could have let it fall. Like- like I said earlier, we can we can all, all all us USC Trojan fans. We can dream. We can dream about Tomlin or <laughs> you, you throw another name out there, and I'll say, yeah, sure, he'll he'll, he'll leave for the job. How about but, Belichick? Do you think Belichick is on uh, USC's wish list? I have nothing but tremendous respect for Belichick, but I cannot <laughs> see him in college. I cannot see him in in a room with that dry sense of humor and and just that overall dryness. We need energy at that level. You got 18 to 21 years old. You need energy. You need up-tempo. And I don't see Bill changing his ways okay. for college. Is Pete Carroll on the list? I don't think Pete can go back just because he can't He can't do what he did already. I mean, he set the bar up here and yeah. won national championship after national championship. If he goes back, there's it's almost impossible to replicate that. So I think that is the only reason he he looks at that job and says, I, I don't want it. I can't go back. I can't do what I did back in the uh, mid-2000s again. Let's stir it up, though. Let's get another headline. How about Nick Saban? Uh, why on earth would Nick leave Alabama to go to SC? I don't know. Okay. Lane Kiffin. Is Lane Kiffin on the list? No, that already, that that ship has sailed. <laughs> that plane, that, that plane has has flown. You know. That plane has has left the yeah, terminal. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yes, the, the tarmac. No, it's 
I, I don't see Lane. I mean, they already gave him a shot. I was uh, somebody was asking me the other day about Ed Ogeron. Ed Ogeron's already had a shot. Um, I'd I'd be surprised if it was either of those two guys. All right. See, I tried to get set you up and get another headline here. You know, it's I'm sorry. It's just it's in me. It's just it just naturally comes out of you. You're well, just setting people up. It's just like Brady throws touchdown passes. I mean, it's just it's it's just there. Natural. Yeah, it's just yeah. natural. Yeah, thanks. it's a gift. It's a gift. God gave it to you. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> Thank you, Carson. Thanks, Dan. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? along with my fellow pro bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up on game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up on Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Will Farrell joining us on the program. Will, thank you for the very emotional, very moving speech. Uh, I know it came from the heart. It takes me right back. As soon as I hear that sound, it takes me right back. I'm proud of you, Dan. Very proud of you. America's proud of you. Well, uh, I didn't know that it would elicit that kind of emotion, but, man, uh, wow. I mean, real tears, powerful. And uh, oh. I'm... Uh, Emo- uh- a, a great emotion to the point where I was punching holes in the drywall of my house. Uh, I couldn't, I, I wasn't able to calm down for the next hour. Well, I'm glad that Sandler wasn't available and David Spade wasn't available and some of the other people that I ask and uh, Brian Cranston. And I'm glad that uh, you did respond. So put me in coach. Put me in. <laughs> uh, do you have a, a thought on uh, your alma mater, uh, USC, with a head football coach? Well, I don't want to stir anything up. Uh, <laughs> my, my inside sources Ooh. tell me a gentleman by the name of Nick Saban will be the next coach. <laughs> okay. Nick Saban. Nick Saban is going to leave Alabama for USC. Nick Saban is a mountain climber, okay? And he's already reached the top of that mountain multiple times. He's looking for the next mountain. And that mountain <laughs> is in Los Angeles, California. Um, My inside source. Okay. Okay. Uh, One inside source. But are, but you're a booster, aren't you? You should have some information. I'm not a booster. I'm not a booster. But uh, I, my one inside source that I talk to, I talk to on the hour, every hour, is a uh, is pretty 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 has his finger on the pulse. Uh, he's a former player. I don't want I don't want to say who it is, but is it Carson Palmer? Yeah. Oh no, we can't do. You can't do. (laughs) What? Wait, wait, come on. What's going on here? You you can't do that to Carson Palmer. He had a bad week last week. We can't do that to him this week. Okay. Oh well, he's my source. I don't want (laughs) to. 
got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, hey, how's your career going? What's going on with you? Uh, it's an absolute freefall. <laughs> um, no, I well, since you asked, Dan, I've got a, 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 a limited series coming out. Oh, on we're so, we're out of time right now. The shrink next door. Me and my good buddy Paul Rudd. <laughs> I saw the trailer for it, as we like to say in the business. And uh, yeah, yeah. you got wild-looking hair. You got your glasses on. And, and Paul Rudd doesn't seem like he's a good guy in this uh, series. No. I transform. We both. It's, uh, it's, it's different from what you're going to normally see us do. It's exciting. I'm, I, it's called I'm stretching. It's, it's stretching. <laughs> well, Hold on. What? I... The others, I'm just getting this too. It's either Nick Saban or it's Nick Saban's brother. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> Teddy, I don't believe Teddy Saban. Yeah. Yeah, he has nothing to do with football, I don't think. But uh, either way, we're looking good. Well, thank you very much, Will. And, uh, All right, Sam, anytime. All right, next Hall of Fame, I'll, uh, I'll reach out, reach out to you, okay? When is when is the next one? What, I don't, what do we think? What do we? I mean, it it feels like it happens like uh, a couple times a year. Yeah, yeah, because you're getting you're getting towards the end. You're getting ready to hang it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not in a, in a free fall yet, but yeah, I'm getting towards the end. Trust me, I know the feeling. Keep keep your head up, okay. I think I'm getting inducted into a Nickelodeon Kids Choice Hall of Fame. Well, I think. Well, congratulations. Not, That's you got right. that that you you were snubbed for years, and I'm glad that 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 has been remedied. Now let's see if I show up. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Will. Once again. That's uh, all right. Dan. Thank you. That's Will Ferrell. Very emotional. Very emotional.